Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Folks, we're going on grid. This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. It's time to dive into fantasy sports today on this two-hour program. We're hardcore fantasy baseball. We'll also talk the Mets with Timothy Healy. Fantasy sports today. Frank Stample and Craig Mish starts now. It's fantasy sports today. Good morning. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Frank Stample for the next two hours, talking fantasy sports with you, reality sports, anything in the world of fantasy and reality. We cover it here on the show. Chris Bavone, of course, is our producer. If you want to follow us on Twitter at FNTSY Radio at SportsGrid, and we can cover it all for you as we're now a day removed from the Super Bowl, and it's time to dive back into the fantasy baseball season as pitchers and catchers one week are ready to report. Of course, I'll be out there covering the Marlins, the Cardinals, the Astros, the Nationals, all the teams that are in South Florida. And Frank, of course, will be covering it all from New Jersey or New York, depending on where he is at any point of the day. Frank, good morning. Welcome back. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Craig? I'm out here in beautiful New Jersey. I'm not sure that anybody has ever referred to New Jersey as beautiful, but uh, look, it's not quite uh, Florida weather that you're enjoying, but look, we're going to have a high of 57 degrees here in the New York, New Jersey area. So you know what? Uh, in, in the beginning of February, I will take that 10 times out of 10. Craig, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to getting into it all with you, but the bottom line is we have a lot to get to here on the show. Before we do all that, as we always do every day here on the program, we turn it over to our producer, Chris Bavona, as he starts us off with a Sports Grid update. Sports Grid News Update. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Frank. Good day. Good morning, Mr. Mish, and good morning, Mr. Frank. It is Chris Bavona with your Sports Grid News Update. Guys, you are talking pitchers and catchers. They do report very soon, but guess what's also coming up? The NBA trade deadline. Yes, that is Thursday, 3 p.m. It inches closer and closer, and some of the rumors coming around here. The Celtics are among teams engaged in talks with the Rockets about a possible Clint Capella trade, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. The Hawks have been cited most frequently as a potential land spot for Capella and the Kings are said to have expressed interest as well. David Aldridge of The Athletic tweets that Andre Iguodala is preparing to sit out the remainder of the season if the Memphis Gri- Grizzlies cannot trade him to one of his preferred destinations by the deadline. There has been talk that Iguodala could get moved to the Mavericks, but recent reports suggest that's not the case. You can't have a trade rumor mill without saying the name D'Angelo Russell. The general belief has been that the Warriors will probably wait until the offseason to seriously consider a move involving D'Lo, but a handful of reporters have indicated that that a deal this week remains possible. Multiple sources reported that the Minnesota Timberwolves are shopping for D'Lo as well as the New York Knicks. 
Uh, also, some uh, one of the big moments last night in the NBA, Jimmy Butler, talk about a revenge game. He cruised to a season-high 38 points on Monday as Miami handed the Philadelphia 76ers their worst loss of the season, 137-106. Butler scored 23 of his uh, first half uh, points in the first half, his second most in a half this season, and he went 7 for 10 for 19 points in a game with Ben Simmons as his primary defender. Simmons called out his team later on as soft the second time he's done this to Philly, uh, to his Philly teammates since 2019. And in baseball, guys, the Houston Astros have named former Rays executive James Click as their new general manager. Click was vice president uh, of operations for the Tampa Bay Rays from 2017 to 2019. He takes over for Jeff Lunau, who, of course, was infamously fired by the team, by the Astros, that is, in the wake of a league investigation that found that the Astros had cheated by using a sign-stealing system during the regular season and playoffs of their World Series winning 2017 season and during part of their 2018 regular season. That is the news from me, Chris Bavona. I will be back at the top of the noon hour. Craig, Frank, it's back to you on Fantasy Sports Today. Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I get it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfold. You got to take a few bats. I offer a cigar, bro. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank back here with you. Thanks again to Chris for providing us with that update. And Chris doing a great job explaining about what happened with the Houston Astros. That was, uh, you know, very unknown for a lot of people at this point. What happened, Chris? I hope you can come back next hour and give us an update on the Super Bowl. What happened there too? I'm, I'm not sure that people know that. <laughs> I'm just giving you crap. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, Chris. I mean, what, what's next here? Are you going to tell us it's, it's 2020? Actually, I'm going to tell you it's 2016 still. I love, I love getting, I love getting after Chris. It, it, nothing makes me happier. Chris going to tell us uh, uh, next update. Tom Brady, pretty good. No, I'm just kidding. All right, that's what you get for yesterday, just just going all over that Pat Mahomes prop over and over and over again. But we're moving past that. We're moving on to today. So, uh, Frank, uh, where did you go to college, Frank, if you don't mind me asking? Where did you go to school? I went to St. Francis College, Brooklyn, the pride of the Northeast Conference. How about you, Craig? You did. University of Florida for me. The reason why I ask is because uh, if you go to Yale or you go to an Ivy League school, you got a good shot at being a general manager in Major League Baseball. I don't know if St. Francis it will cut it. Um, you may have to get your master's maybe at MIT or Harvard or somewhere else, and then you could get a phone call. But uh, interesting move there by Houston yesterday. I don't know if you caught that. I don't know a ton about this guy uh, who they hired. I did hear from some people around the league saying that it was quite a surprise that the Astros hired this, uh, this guy Click. Yeah, so the 42-year-old uh, Yale graduate, as you mentioned, former uh, baseball prospectus writer as well. Uh, he's been with the race front office for about 14 years. And I guess, look, if you're going to steal someone from any organization, right, if you're the Houston Astros, why not do it with the Tampa Bay Rays? Uh, I think a lot of fantasy owners and maybe baseball fans in general kind of look at the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays as the two most forward-thinking organizations in baseball. So I guess, you know, if the Astros were going to choose somebody from another organization, the Tampa Bay Rays make a ton of sense. Yeah, it also seems to me as that this is just keeping the, the train rolling a little bit in, in Houston. I don't know that you can do that with the manager. You probably have to go outside, which is what they did. 
And they went outside by hiring uh, this guy as well. It just seems like this is more of an analytical uh, play at this point, which is what the Astros do very well. And I'm guessing there are some people that advised uh, Jim Crane on this one, and that's the decision that he chose to make. All right, so uh, we'll get it back into that in just a minute. Of course, what we're waiting to find out is if one of the top fantasy players in 2020, top uh, meaning baseball players, and Mookie Betts gets traded. And this is what's dangerous about reporting, and some of the best in the game do it every day. But this is what's dangerous about saying it's inevitable. We're all kind of waiting on this, Frank. And at this point, there's a lot of talk with the Dodgers. There's a lot of talk with the Padres. But let me illustrate something for you here before we go down the road with the Dodgers. Now, given the fact that I cover Major League Baseball and I speak to a lot of people, let me tell you what they tell me. The Dodgers are mentioned a lot, but do they actually end up doing anything? Are they actually involved in everything that we claim for them to be involved? Let's review for a minute. They were uh, talked about as possibly getting Giancarlo Stanton, and they were one of the four teams that he had approved a trade to. They did not get him. Last year, they were at the top of the quote-unquote discussion with Bryce Harper. They did not get Bryce Harper. This offseason, they were one of the teams that was mentioned about a possibility of trading for Francisco Lindor. They have not landed, to my knowledge, Francisco Lindor. They were talked about as the potential favorite because he wanted to play on the West Coast of landing Garrett Cole. He did not accept their offer. They did not get Garrett Cole. And most recently, they've been talked about getting Nolan Arenado. They did not get him as well. So I would ask you, Frank, at this point, are the Dodgers legitimately interested in acquiring anyone, or are they more interested in being involved in the talks? A legitimate question for you. That is a fair question for sure. Uh, I do think that this is probably the legitimate closest they've been to landing one of these players, uh, one of these superstar-type players in baseball, in Mookie Betts. I do think this is the closest. You know, for me, Craig, I feel like the Dodgers are constantly in a state of push and pull, right? Because they compete every year. They've won the NL West for seven years in a row. I mean, you know, they went to -to back-to-back World Series. Of course, last year they lost in the uh, LDS to the Washington Nationals. But I say push and pull because... They're competing every single year, but they also have one of the best farm systems every single year. So they're constantly trying to figure out, like, do we trade away these prospects that are among some of the best prospects in baseball in order to go for that World Series or just kind of stick with the team that we have already and continue to compete for a World Series like they have been? So I think after you know getting that far that many times, they probably should just trade away one or two of those prospects and you know, get themselves a Mookie Betts, uh, a superstar-type player like that, an MVP-caliber player, uh, and, and help them you know, get over the hump there. Uh, but for me, it seems like they're constantly in that state of, of push and pull, whether they don't know if they want to trade away their prospects. Because frankly, Craig, their prospects are among the best in baseball. So I can't really blame them for not wanting to get rid of them. No, I understand that, but they also are involved in these free agents that they don't end up signing, too. I mean, that's that's part of it also. The one guy that they did get a few years ago was Hugh Darvish, and so I will give them credit certainly for that. I believe it was 2017, and we know how that went, and now we know the story uh, postscript on that. But I do think at some point, Frank, I, and I get it, they got a lot of prospects, and for one reason or another, though, all these championship titles that they have in the West is not amounted to a World Series championship, and when we judge things, just like we judge the Braves for many years, 13 titles in a row, only winning one World Series, I think that that's what we remember most about them. 
All right, coming up next, it's time for a little three up, three down. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. up must come down three up three down what does three up and three down mean to you airman end of an inning welcome back fantasy sports today craig Mish, frank stanfield here every day 11 to 1 on the east craig in florida frank in new jersey on a bus on a training on a plane maybe on a skateboard at some point we got to rent him a scooter gonna figure out a way for him to Make his day more efficient. That's a story for another day. Let's start off with my things on the upswing here. And uh, I'll start off with uh, James Click. Uh, He's on the upswing for me. Hired by the Houston Astros. He went to Yale. There's a lot of Ivy League general managers in Major League Baseball. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but there certainly are. I think at this point it's fair to say that the Astros stay the course. They stay on that analytical road. Dusty Baker got a one-year contract, folks, okay? Not a five-year, not a three. He got a one-year deal with an option. So Click, in my estimation, will probably have a choice at the end of the season to keep Dusty or let him go. Hopefully they keep him because we all love Dusty. But uh, we've seen how this has played out for him in Washington and Cincinnati and Chicago. So uh, he'll have to earn some wins, and I get that. That's fine. Uh, Second on my three-up, three-down is uh, Edwin Jackson is back in the big leagues again. But unfortunately, doesn't get to another team. He's played on 14. He's back with Arizona. Edward Jackson, once upon a time, pitched a no-hitter. Believe it or not, he was actually fantasy relevant for about a month with the Padres a couple of years ago. And a really good guy. Good to see him back in the league, but uh, not fantasy relevant at all, I think, in 2020. Although I will mention that John Jay ended up getting a one-year deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And clearly, this is someone that always seems to scratch out 300 plate appearances. So if you're playing in an NL only this year, they want to throw a dollar on John Jay. Maybe David. Maybe something happens to David Peralta. Something happens to Cole Calhoun. Something happens to Marte. You never know. Uh, Jay is basically fourth outfielder at best this year. And, um, and also on my up, uh, Edwin Jack, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the BlackBerry phones are officially dead. This is good to see. Now, it's kind of sad for me, Frank, in a little bit because I was somebody that really hung on to the BlackBerry too long. And by too long, probably like a year, I would say. Most people are like, well, get an iPhone, get an iPhone. I'm like, I don't know. I'm intimidated by the iPhone. I actually had an iPad before I had an iPhone. Really weird. And so uh, you're an iPhone guy. I know, Frank. I'm an iPhone guy. Uh, Bavona's an iPhone guy as well. And I know there are a lot of people that like the Android, too. Got no beef with that. But, uh, Frank, did you ever have a BlackBerry, or does that go before your your phone itch? Craig, I had many, many Blackberries. Uh, you know, I went through those things like Skittles. Uh, all the time, the little ball in the, in the middle would end up breaking on me, so I had to replace yeah. that phone all the time. But, 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun time in life. Basically, uh, that was my high school uh, that was my high school career right there uh, with the whole BBM getting people on BlackBerry Messenger. So, uh, man, I share the same sentiments as you. It's a sad day. We are uh, we are putting the BlackBerry to rest here, Craig. So, uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah, we're all iPhone users. And, and for anyone out there, Craig said that it's okay to have an Android. I, I disagree completely because for those people wow. that mess up group chats by pushing their their green text message into the group chat instead of having the, the beautiful blue text message with iMessage uh, and with Apple, um, you are not forgiven. So I, I do not get an Android. Let's stick with iPhone. Uh, rest in peace to the BlackBerry. Uh, Craig, I'm going to give you my uh, my three news items here on the day. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon expects to be ready for opening day, obviously, uh, toward the ACL last year uh, with the Philadelphia Phillies, the NFBC ADP, uh, all the way down at 203.65. Andrew McCutcheon, uh, personally, one of my favorite players uh, ever since I started playing fantasy back in high school. Uh, he was like one of the first prospects that I started following uh, and basically, uh, I feel like my career trajectory in terms of Fantasy has kind of um, been parallel with Andrew McCutcheon, so uh, I've I've really enjoyed watching his career kind of play out, uh, and I do think he's coming at a value right now at pick 203 uh, in the NFBC. Uh, the next item that I have up here. This comes according to Barstool Sports. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Chris Young says, I started the whole Apple Watch thing. I got it from when I was with the Yankees. Huh. Mm. All right. So uh, someone who goes over to the Boston Red Sox says that he got the whole Apple Watch thing from the New York Yankees. Uh, Craig, I'm confident in saying I don't think that this is anywhere near over in terms of trash cans and and cameras and and iPads and and Apple Watches and buzzers and anything in between, anything that you could possibly think of. I think that we are uh, far from uh, done with all this controversy in baseball. So there you go. Thanks, Chris Young, for uh, for stirring up more between the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Last but not least here, uh, we had Bavona early in the show talk about the NBA trade deadline. I don't know if you see what's going on on Twitter right now, Craig. But, uh, you know, you, you said you wanted to rely on me for a little bit of the pop culture. So yes, I'll try and please. bring you, uh, try and get you involved here, right? So we have, uh, we have some wars going on between Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, uh, and the young Memphis Grizzlies. So apparently, Andre Iguodala has stated he will not play for the Memphis Grizzlies this year, I guess because he considers them uh, not a contending team. As of now, they are the eighth seed in the playoffs in the Western Conference, uh, but he doesn't want to play for that team. He wants to play for a team that's higher up in the standing, someone that he can legitimately win a championship considering he's done that with the Warriors the past couple of years. The problem is the young Grizzlies do not like that he is saying these things. So Dylan Brooks says, you know, we want him to get traded so that we can play against him and prove to him the mistake that he is making by leaving. Uh, and then, of course, John Morant, who is the front runner for Rookie of the Year in the NBA, uh, backs up those same sentiments as Dylan Brooks. Then we have Steph Curry get involved, and he tweets out a picture of Andre Iguodala with his uh, championship trophy as a member of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and then back on the other side, uh, we have John Morant respond to that with a picture of Kevin Durant hoisting the uh, the NBA Finals MVP as a member of the Warriors, kind of as a, as a shot to Steph Curry. So you know what I say about all this, Craig? I love the, the fearless nature of John Morant going right at Steph Curry, one of the best players in the league right now. Uh, the young guns, uh, he's got no fear. He's, he's coming for anybody. He does not care, uh, and I love it. I love every single second of it, Craig. All right, good call there. Hey, by the way, do you have an uh, Apple Watch, Frank, or are you, are you not in on that? So I'm not a big watch guy. Um, 
I just don't like things that are that heavy on my wrist, so I, I wear like a gold bracelet now, but I've never really been a watch guy. Oh. Uh, the closest I've been to getting a watch is probably an Apple Watch. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a, a sucker for, I guess, uh, technological advancements here, uh, and plus seeing everyone else with one, I feel like I have to get one myself. Um, but no, I do not have an Apple Watch. How about you? No, no, I'm uh, I'm, I'm not somebody that has one of those. I, I basically am I'm, I'm an iPhone-only person. And uh, and I also don't have to have the brand new one when it comes out either. But uh, you know, usually once a year I'll switch over. I think I'm due actually for uh, for an upgrade this year. So we'll see. All right, uh, let me give you my trending down topics for the fourth of January, two thousand twenty. The writer who did not vote for Derek Jeter on his Hall of Fame ballot has decided to keep his ballot private. I mean, at this point, this is such a joke. Isn't everything that we do public these days? How is this rule not changed by the National Baseball Hall of Fame? This seems like it's a no-brainer. Make every ballot public immediately after the voting is over. And now this basically this guy gets to hide in infamy. No one knows, and no one will ever know. And so just doesn't seem right to me. But uh, I don't care who the guy voted for, but at least let us know who you are so we can get some sort of reasoning on it. Makes no sense. Uh, also uh, trending down for me, second thing, Kelly K-, uh, K. Green, who I'm unfamiliar with but apparently is an Instagram model of some kind, got arrested for trying to sneak into the Super Bowl here in South Florida on Sunday. It never ceases to amaze me how people think that they're going to get into the Super Bowl. They're going to run on the field. It's literally the one event you never want to try. Like the guy who stole the jersey of Tom Brady had a whole hour documentary on Fox dedicated to him. You're not getting into the Super Bowl. It's not going to work. Try anything else. Soccer, baseball, basketball, hockey, anything. But leave the Super Bowl out. It ain't going to work. And my third trending down, Frank, and this is the final one. Uh, Justin Bieber. This is a story recently. Justin Bieber is very happy. I guess he feels like he's healthy now and he's not doing drugs and and things are going well. Uh, He admitted that before he goes to bed or before he went to bed in the past, he would have somebody check his pulse to make sure he was alive right before bedtime because he was so addicted to uh, drugs, including weed, which I don't know why have, that would have anything to do with, with uh, the pulse, but uh, pills and some other things. So, uh, Frank, I would ask you, uh, when you go to bed at night, and I know that you said that you're, I believe, engaged and soon to be married, does your wife check your pulse to make sure that you're still there, Frank? No, she doesn't, but uh, perhaps it's something that we should be doing. I'll have to bring this up to her. Uh, so, in- so instead of Justin Bieber, you know, getting a bedtime story, he's getting uh, he's getting his pulse checked. So uh, interesting, especially with weed, right? Like you mentioned, like don't most people want to smoke and then just go to sleep afterwards anyway? So <laughs> isn't that the whole kind of point of it, I guess? But uh, yeah, I guess uh, health first, Justin Bieber. Great job, buddy. Yeah, that's for sure. You have any quick uh, trending down topics you want to get to? I know I took most of your time here. I apologize. Oh, no, it's perfectly fine. I did have one topic that I saw uh, yesterday on Barstool as well of a, uh, a firefighter, uh, a female firefighter, part-time firefighter, um, getting fired, getting laid off of her job yesterday because she posted uh, promiscuous workout videos because she's also an Instagram model. So I heard your story regarding an Instagram model trying to run into the Super Bowl here, Craig. Uh, And, you know, I I did kind of take a gander at this woman's Instagram myself. Uh, And a lot of it is, 
you know, it's her like doing squats and like stuff related to uh, her backside. You know, she's trying to make sure that she looks good. But should that matter? Should that matter, Craig? I mean, should she be fired from her part-time job as a firefighter because she is posting workout videos on Instagram and showing off her backside? I feel like that shouldn't really affect her ability to be a firefighter, right? I mean, look, look, Cardano called me yesterday and told me I had to stop uh, flexing on TikTok and told me to take everything down. So I kind of understand it. You know, that's <laughs> a part of that that I get for sure. All right. That's the uh, end of this segment. Mercifully, we're going to go back to fantasy baseball coming up next. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. When we return, it's time for a little high-low game in the NFBC. I'll throw some players out and their average draft position, and Frank will tell us if they're going to be higher, lower, or the same come draft season which honestly begins in March. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank back with you in just a couple of minutes right here on SportsGrid and on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Frank Stample here on the show. This is your spot for fantasy baseball discussion throughout 2020. I know a lot of you are going to start to be looking for that this week, and we're diving into it. By the way, Tim Healy is going to join us coming up in the second hour of the show. Frank is desperate to hear about what's going on with the Mets, and so we thought we would engage Tim. He'll join us here. And, of course, throughout spring training and throughout uh, the season of draft season, I'll do my best to bring on as many of the players in the game, executives in the game, and people who actually make those decisions uh, that can help you in fantasy. So I will make sure I do my very best, just like I have done in the past. And you guys know that if you've listened to my show on satellite radio for 10 years, that's uh, what I pride myself on is bringing the reality of the game to you and uh, and not trying to make myself uh, too high and mighty about being right or wrong. We'll lean on Frank for a lot of information. This is his expertise. He's very good at it. Good drafter. And uh, and he and a lot of the other people in the industry are, are quite frankly, uh, just as good or better than me. So I don't try to put myself into that category. What I try to do is deliver you as much information as I possibly can to help you guys make the right decisions. And um, and I really value people who have their hard-earned money into this, too. I mean, that's a big part of this and a big part of why I believe some of the best people in fantasy are the ones that never even get on the air. They're the ones that put their money where their mouth is, and dropping thousands of dollars on a fantasy league means a lot more to me than somebody who is just spewing out hot takes. Not what I like, not what I'm going to do here on the show. Uh, okay, so the NFBC is clearly one of the premier fantasy destinations in the country. They have their big draft coming up next month. We'll look forward to that as well. Frank is going to be participating in one of those drafts, and we'll dive deeper and break that down as well. And one of the interesting parts about the NFBC, as I mentioned, is that when you have stake in the game, it gives you a good opportunity to see where those people feel 
players should be drafted in fantasy baseball. And so similar to how Joe and I, Joe Pizzapia and I have been doing this segment in the latter part of January, we're going to continue this in February. A lot of people out there are not drafting right now. I get it. Makes sense. I am not a February drafter either. I'm a March drafter if I possibly can. I want as much data, as much information as possible. I want to visit with as many teams as I possibly can to get a better idea of what's really going to happen in 2020. So the question that I'll pose to Frank is five players in the NFBC that are going drafted in the top 50 right now. And I'll ask Frank, just like I've asked Joe, will they go higher? Will they go lower? Or will they be about the same when the average person has their fantasy baseball draft, and the average person probably drafts in the month of March. So let's get started, Frank. You ready to roll? Let's go. All right, here we go. First uh, first player, start off with Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres, who busted out in a big way last year, started with the team opening day, ended up stealing a bunch of bases, ended up hitting a bunch of home runs, had a couple of injury issues as well. One of the most popular and dynamic players in the league and I would ask you, Frank, do you think that his NFBC ADP of 18 will stay the same in March? Will he move up? Will he move down? What do you got? Oh, he's definitely going to move up, especially once we get into uh, some of these bigger money drafts. Uh, the upside for Fernando Tatis Jr. is tantalizing. Look at what he did last year as a 20-year-old. 22 home runs, 16 stolen bases, 317 batting average, albeit on the back of a 410 Babbitt. Uh, that's not sustainable. So you could expect some regression in the batting average, obviously, here, Craig. But I think that he is someone that's going to move up draft boards. We know a lot of these big drafts in the NFBC, like the main event, for example, are 15-team leagues. I think by the time we get to the middle of March, which is when I'll be participating uh, in the New York main events, the live events there, uh, he will be a first-round pick. He is someone that is going to be going inside uh, the top 15 picks, again, because he has that Ronald Acuna-esque upside. Maybe not the same type of batting average. You know, Ronald Acuna had some concerns with strikeouts, uh, a few holes in his swing coming up, but again, it's that that power-speed combination, Craig, and now that we've seen Ronald Acuna go 30-30, you know, people are going to have that same kind of idea for Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, as well. Uh, when it comes to me personally, I tend to be a safer drafter in the early rounds, so I'm probably not going to be on him if he ends up climbing into that first round like I suspect. Uh, but, yes, personally, I do think that he's going to move up here. Craig, by the time we get to March, he is a first-round pick. That is Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, and it's really well illustrated by you, and there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the other reasons, I think, is for a lot of people who are drafting is, yes, the popularity of a young player. There's no doubt about that. But there are some people, and I tend to be included in this, whether it's a mixed league or whether it's an NL only, Frank, is that because uh, people who play fantasy baseball tend to be the passionate type, the more intense type, I don't think that you have just random people playing fantasy baseball like you do fantasy football, uh, some people are in a number of leagues. And I'm not saying 10 leagues, but I'm saying maybe two or maybe three. And the sentiment that I have on Tatis Jr. this year is he's probably somebody that I would like to have in a league just to see what happens. I wouldn't have him in all of my leagues. I wouldn't have 100% investment or have shares in all of them. But my guess is is that I'll end up with Tatis in one league just to make sure that I cover myself that this guy doesn't end up being a superstar because he certainly looked like it last year and, of course, plays at a pretty premium position at shortstop. All right, let's move on from Tatis over to NFBC ADP 27. That is Mike Clevenger of the Cleveland Indians. We know 
how things went last year for Clevenger, suffered a lot of injuries, Frank, that kept him off the field. When he was on the field, you can make the case he was a top-five pitcher in all of baseball and maybe even better than that in fantasy baseball. Looks like he could end up fronting this rotation and this staff with Corey Kluber moving on to Texas. So that potentially could give him some of those tantalizing early matchups in April against some subpar pitching. We know the Indians pitching is great. We know their hitting is eh. So that could limit potentially some of the wins for Clevenger. Maybe you feel differently. Maybe Cleveland's hitting is really good. I don't know. But it seems like certainly uh, they've taken a back step over the last couple of years, especially in that outfield. NFBC ADP, Mike Clevenger, 27. Higher, lower, or the same in March, Frank? Craig, we've got another higher here, especially with more rankings starting to come out. Uh, one of my friends in the industry, one of your friends, I believe, as well, uh, Matt Modica with The Athletic, he released his rankings, uh, his first top 36 starting pitcher rankings yesterday, uh, and he has Mike Clevenger at four, and I've seen other people have Mike Clevenger in the top five as well, and I think the more and more people start to read these things about Clevenger and realize just how good he was last season when he was healthy, uh, he is going to be pushed up the draft board ahead of Walker Bueller. Uh, so I think he's going to end up being being higher. I think he's going to be on that turn at that, that you know, 15, 16 uh, type of range. Right now you mentioned he's like, what, 27? So I think he's going to end up being a, an early second-round pick. And how can you argue with it, really? 29 years old, since 2017, he's been in the bigs. Uh, 296 ERA, a 115 whip during that span. Uh, and yesterday, uh, last year, rather, he had a 16-start stretch with a 176 ERA, Craig, a 2 0.98 xFIP, a 102 whip, almost 12 Ks per nine. Uh, you see the breaking pitches that he has. He throws mid 90s with the fastball as well. Uh, the only problem for me is the durability, right? So we've only seen him hit the 200 endings pitch threshold uh, once. Uh, while being in the major leagues, and last year he was right around 126, 127 innings pitched. So I think he's going to move up. I think he's going to end up being higher than this uh, ADP right now, Craig. But personally, I don't know that I can invest that early second-round pick in Clevenger just because I do have some concerns over the durability. Yeah, and I think that you should. There's no doubt that Clevenger has had a myriad of injuries. It's interesting that Cleveland is this pipeline for pitching, and no one seems to really be talking about that with Trevor Bauer, who's now moved on to Cincinnati, with Kluber, who's now moved on to Texas. Of course, Carrasco's been very good. Uh, people forget about Danny Salazar. He was a really good pitcher for them as well and suffered a bunch of injuries. So it'll be interesting to see. They also, of course, have Bieber, who came on last year, and Savali, who looks like he's going to be at the back end of this rotation. But the Indians have been a pipeline for pitching. I would still say that they're probably a top-five rotation in Major League Baseball, but in terms of fantasy, you bring up some really good points. If you're counting on durability, I'm not sure that you can count on Clevenger. If you're looking to throw a dart and try and win a league, he's either kind of league winner type, uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he moves up quite a bit. All right, so so far we're two for two on guys moving up on the NFC B NFBC ADP. Let's move on to another player who no doubt was arguably one of the biggest surprises in all of fantasy baseball last year. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. I'm not sure if it's Jordan or Jordan. We heard Jordan last year, and then uh, people are still calling him Jordan, so I'm not sure. His NFBC ADP is at 38, so he's a top 40 player. Uh, Frank, the upside here is tremendous. He's one of the favorites, believe it or not, in Vegas to win the home run title in 2020. We've also seen players go completely the other way after their first year in baseball. Alvarez, it looks like, is going to be the primary designated hitter for the Astros in 2020. Will he be going higher, lower, or be about the same in March? 
So this is the one where I'm going to say, I think he's going to stay about the same here, Craig. He's going around pick 38 in the NFBC in 15-team leagues. That's the middle of the third round. Uh, the upside is tremendous as well. I mean, between what he did at AAA last year uh, and in the majors, he hit 50 home runs, uh, 313 in the majors as well. I mean, his ability to uh, make hard contact and lift the ball as well, and you don't have to worry about the splits with this guy because he can hit against lefties, he can hit against righties, he can hit, hit against anybody. I will say, I thought he was a little bit exposed in the postseason here, Craig, uh, where he just hit 241, and we saw that OPS uh, at about 668 in the postseason there. Obviously a small sample, uh, but, you know, perhaps pitchers were starting to do something a little bit different, and we see this a lot uh, with guys in their second season in the majors where it's an adjustment period, right? Because obviously pitchers are going to do things a little bit differently uh, than they did uh, against your, uh, Jordan Alvarez uh, in his rookie season. So I do have some concerns over Jordan Alvarez, uh, and if you ask me, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later on, you get Nelson Cruz 50 picks later in the NFBC, why don't you just do that? We're, we're almost expecting Jordan Alvarez to, uh, to be Nelson Cruz, right? What we've seen Nelson Cruz do for so long. So personally, I think this is one where he's going to uh, stay around where his ADP uh, is right now when we get to March here, Craig. All right, well, we couldn't sell Frank on any of our players today, but throughout the weeks and as we get closer to draft season here in mid-February and March, we'll continue to pose those questions to Frank about will players be going higher, lower, or about the same in fantasy baseball in 2020. Coming up next, it's a segment that we just can't seem to go away from. It's time to talk about all the wacky things and people going on in the state of Florida. Florida Man! That segment is next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Frank Stamfel will be right back. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And now it's time on Fantasy Sports Today to see what's going on in the Sunshine State with Florida Man. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Frank Stample. We move away from the fantasy baseball discussion and the fantasy discussion for one segment a week. And, and I know, Frank, that you're this is new for you. This is a little bit different. And, and I know that when you texted me and you were like, hey, what, is, what in the world is Florida Man? I had to explain it to you, but I think that you will come to really enjoy this segment, and I, I, I hope so. I, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for that. So if you will indulge me, the plan is here is I'm going to just read you some stories of crazy things that have happened in the state of Florida, and hopefully you will be mortified to the point where you will realize that the state of Florida may be a great place to live and a great place to raise your kids, but some crazy things indeed actually happen here. I'm extremely excited to be mortified, Craig. Let's do it. Okay, here we go. Here's the first story here. Frank, a father-son feud has turned even uglier with a wild rainbow-colored paint job on a half-million-dollar home in a very nice Florida community. The uh, DY1 disaster splashes and splotches of blue, orange, yellow, and green, and purple, and pink paint that the windows, along with nearby trees, the lawn, and even the mailbox, is getting people in Naples very upset. In fact, the paint job unfolded over a couple of weeks where neighbors told the Naples Daily News and soon after, Jeffrey Liebman, who owns the home, they want him out. 
It turns out, Frank, that the father and son have been duking it out in court. And the reason why that this guy painted his house all different kind of colors is because he's trying to get his dad out so he can sell the property. Now, the father, 70 years old Dennis Liebman, recently filed an emergency motion suggesting that his son be jailed for these actions, including destruction to his nearby property. Now, obviously, me describing this particular story, Frank, doesn't do it justice. You have to actually see the video or see the pictures of this. But, Frank, just basically allow yourself a moment's time to think about what would happen if your house was painted like a rainbow and how neighbors would respond to it. And the reasons why you would do it is basically to, to be able to sell it and get your dad out of the house. That's a Florida man. So I'm actually checking out these pictures and videos right now of this home, uh, and you are not kidding. This looks like legitimately a paint job done by a toddler. So my first question was going to be, how old is the man uh, that is you know throwing paint on his father's house? Because you know, at first glance, you would imagine you know it's it's got to be a young child, right? No, this is an adult. This is an adult doing this. Craig, what is going on? What is going on down there in Florida, man? Yeah, well, it's just the beginning. It gets even better. Here's our second story of the day. Polk County police in Florida reported the arrest of a 43-year-old man who they said was fleeing from officers. He nearly hit a patrol car and swallowed a bag of meth. Now, according to police report and in the press release, deputies tried to stop Daryl Bailey's Dodge Ram truck on Wednesday of last week in Mulberry, Florida, which is not somewhere, Frank, that you'd want to live. Uh, Bailey had a warrant out for his arrest after failing to register as a sex offender on two different separate accounts. And after deputies activated their lights and sirens, Bailey, he made a U-turn, drove through the parking lot and headed west. And then all of a sudden, um, when a deputy attempted to stop him, the Dodge started to spin. After the maneuver, he regained control of his car. He started to flee. He hit an occupied police car. And then he drove over a fence, hit a shed. Following his arrest, they released a statement uh, calling it an epic fail because to get rid of the meth that he had on him, Bailey, of course, decided not to throw it out of the car, Frank, and he decided to swallow it. So, again, these are stories oh, that happen every day here in Florida, Frank. And, um, you know, here's just a note to you. If you're ever running from the cops with a bag of meth, throw it out of the window and don't swallow it. You know, Craig, I've watched enough Breaking Bad to know that uh, you don't swallow the meth. You, you, you throw it out of the window. I don't know if you're a Breaking Bad guy, uh, but one of my I favorite am. shows, obviously. Uh, and this is, this is another example. You, you mentioned the last story involving Florida Man uh, throwing paint all over the house. You needed to see the pictures and the videos to really kind of do this justice. Uh, I think you really need to see the, uh, the image of the gentleman who swallowed the meth while he's driving away here as well. Because, you know, I've seen Post Malone with, like, the face tattoos and, like, doing the, the tattoo of his hair line and stuff, but I never seen someone actually tattoo hair on their head with engravements of words in their hair as well. It's all tattooed. Like his whole entire head is just a tattooed hairline. So uh, I guess based on, uh, again, seeing these images and uh, it doesn't really surprise me, man, but you don't swallow the meth. Come on, man. We've seen enough Breaking Bad here, Craig. Yeah, that's kind of like a Sussman move to swallow the meth, in my opinion. All right, third story here. A Florida man is facing federal charges after the FBI says he flew a drone in an area of off-limits because of nearby Super Bowl events. So this is over the weekend. An FBI affidavit Friday filed that a 46-year-old man named Jorgon Ramos, not related to Jordan Alvarez, flew the drone 
in an area of Miami Beach for such flights by the Federal Aviation Administration. He faces up to a year in prison. The FAA established temporary flight restrictions on drones and other aircrafts in, in uh, Miami Beach, downtown Miami, and also around Hard Rock Stadium. According to the FBI, the man has a certificate to fly the drone, but he told agents he had to alter it to allow a flight in the FAA's restricted area. He apparently used the drone to take a video of Super Bowl uh, events in Miami Beach. He's scheduled for an initial court appearance Friday. You know, Frank, the thing to me is this is like not just Florida Man story. This is like Super Bowl story. Like when are people going to realize that the Super Bowl is the most restrictive and most secure area of any sporting event in the world, even in the country, just stay away from the Super Bowl. Like, just don't do anything around the Super Bowl, and you'll be, you know, you'll be fine. But people, they can't help themselves, man. And another Florida man story down the drain. Absolutely. And look, if we're being honest, the Super Bowl is one of the top five most anticipated events throughout the course of a year, you know, of any events, not just sports-related, right? So uh, we heard the story early on about the lady trying to sneak into the Super Bowl. Now we have drones here trying to steal footage of uh, Super Bowl activities. Uh, as someone who has looked into purchasing a drone myself, I can tell you that these laws are legitimate. They they are, you know, they go hard in terms of, you know, what you can do with these drones. There are legitimate laws. Uh, so you got to watch what you're doing with these drones here, but especially with the Super Bowl. Come on, Craig. Like, th- like you said, I mean, this is obvious. What are you trying to do? Like, are, are you trying to be defiant and, and see if you can get away with it? Like, you're obviously not going to get away with anything uh, involving the Super Bowl, Super Bowl here. Uh, Craig, do you own a drone yourself? Have you looked into buying one? Uh, and uh, how soon before we get drones uh, involved in stealing signs in baseball? Yeah, the the last one is a good one because that's something that is a funny joke. I've heard people mention that before. Uh, I have not. Uh, I, I have these. You know, my son, my young son has been given these sort of planes that have cameras with them. I don't know if they would be considered to be drones. If so, they are mini drones. I'm trying to understand why I would need one. Like, what, what is it about that that would interest me? I, I, I still have not been able to figure that out. So, Frank, in order for me to buy one, there would need to be some sort of purpose behind it. And, and to date, I have not found Craig, it. I have a but perfect purpose for you. You, you, can, you can fly the drone. You can have it set up right next to you while you're interviewing players or coaches. Uh, so instead of having to do uh, camera work yourself, your drone that is with you can be your cameraman. So the drone can film you, uh, you know, when you're doing your interviews with, you know, Marlins players, any other baseball players. So you don't need a cameraman. You can just have a drone there, Craig. Well, there you go. See, Frank's uh, already ahead of me for spring training. All right. I saved the best one for last, as I try to do here on the show. Uh, A man in Florida was arrested on the suspicion of murdering someone who he believed had placed a voodoo curse on him. And this happened in Miramar, which is not that far from me. Miramar Police Department confirmed that a gentleman named Narjay Jackson was charged with murder. This is no laughing matter, obviously. But after a man who was shot to death uh, on the morning of January 29th, last week, according to the Sun Sentinel, he was arrested 12 hours after the body was discovered in a actual gated community. The quote says that we had surveillance video of the suspect in less than an hour. We identified him a few hours later, and he was arrested later that evening. Allegedly, he was seen riding up to the victim on a bicycle, waving his arms to get his attention. The pair briefly talked. They went into a townhouse, and then uh, the man rode away on a bike. They heard several gunshots, and of course, uh, they were able to identify him fleeing on a bicycle. Uh, Police, when they uh, discussed this, They tracked his cell phone number, and the mothers gave detectives that morning. 
and they believed that the victim thought that he was playing, uh, placed a voodoo curse on him. He would not elaborate. He was taken into the Broward County Jail, and he's being held without bond. And so certainly, Frank, if you think that you have a voodoo curse on you, there are a lot of things that you can possibly do about this. Would be reversing the curse or potentially going to the police or talking to somebody about it. This guy decided just to whack the guy who we thought put the curse on him. So a bad move, and that puts an end to our Florida man discussion for today. Well, I talk about taking uh, matters into your own hands, right? Um, you, you think that your curse uh, – I mean, how would – how do you even get to that point, right? How do you get to the point that you think that you have a voodoo curse on you uh, in general? Like, I kind of feel like I have a voodoo curse on myself right now the, based on my yeah. NBA picks. Uh, Window Will can vouch for me here. Uh, I'm, you know, haven't been very successful with my NBA picks here, you know, over at the, the Meadowland Sportsbook. Um, but how do you even get to that point? Like, how would you, what would need to happen for you to imagine that you have a voodoo curse on you personally, Craig? Uh, yeah, I mean, the picks are – look, I've had a voodoo curse on me the last four Super Bowls, if that's the case, because I've lost uh, you know every single one of them. I suppose I would have to like have bad dreams at night, things like that, um, or something would have to go horribly wrong in terms of the show here. Uh, like there would have to be like a delay on the show to have a voodoo curse. So, yeah, I guess we do have a voodoo curse. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the first hour of Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Tim Healy. And he and I and Frank are going to talk about the New York Mets. So we'll go over that in just a little bit. Also, we're going to do our evaluation process for fantasy baseball. Some of the things that Frank looks at, some of the things that I look at in terms of stats, uh, some surface stats, some expected stats as well. And then some players that have dropped quite a bit in the average draft position potentially could be back to where we have seen them in the past. We'll discuss that as well. But for now, we'll take a quick time out, pay some bills, and be back with a lot more. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Craig Bish and Frank Stample, don't go away. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.